0: That's
1: how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who this is with their lunch. You know
0: what they said?
1: So what if we get brunched? We from the Bronx. Don't get it twisted. We be going to Manhattan. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brunch, pop it off.
0: Hey, we pop, pop, and pop it
1: all. We, we pop, pop, pop. All right
0: what's up everybody and welcome to another episode episode number one of season five ladies who bronche i am julissa what's good everybody this is skittles and this week we got a Dominicana who's out here slaying in Arizona. Not only is she a wonderful photographer, she is a bad bitch in the business world. She has so many gems to drop from things around fashion, different brands, love, and uh, just being an incredible force of nature for girls like me who did not grow up having girls on the scene killing shit. Denise, Denise, who the fuck are you? Hi everyone. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's an
2: honor. Um, really quick, we met at Hispanicize last year. Yes, we yes,
3: um, did.
2: And I absolutely obviously listened to the podcast like when you guys, when you introduced yourself. Um, and I was just like, this is so fucking cool. So it's really, it's an honor to be here and to be part of a conversation with y'all. I'm a fan. Um, We're but fans- yeah. Mutual fan, mutual phantom. Um, who the fuck is Denise? So you can find me on Instagram at chasing Denise with two S's because my mom is very extra. Um, mm-hmm. And I am, like you said, a photographer. I'm an entrepreneur. I focus a lot, especially now during the pandemic where we've all had to pivot a little bit. I focus a lot on helping people of color um, pivot their business. So I do a lot of small business consultations and personal branding consultations. I am, I have crowned myself the media kit queen. Um, I make media kits yes. for influencers and small businesses and I do websites and now thankfully since it's coming down a little bit I'm shooting again so yeah I mean I
0: wear a ton of hats. I got a big ass head I wear a ton of hats <laughs> yes yes and I and so when we met at Hispanicize one of the exciting connections we we realized we had were, was to Ava Rojas and oh you, my god so you've done can you share with us some of the shoots you've done for Ava? Yeah, I mean, how long do we do we have? How long is it? <laughs> <Like>, that's right.
2: <laughs> you can spend a minute. That's right. Yeah, I don't know how long I to be honest, I don't know how long I've known her for because she is one of those people um like I have very few close friends. Um but she is one of those people that it feels like I've known her like in my past life and this life, like all my life. So I can't say how long I've known her, but we have been working together for a couple years. I did the big photo shoot for her launch for her brand launch Botanica. She came out here. Um, She's she's my sister. Like I would say like best friend, but she is my sister. She officiated our wedding. Oh my god! Um, Yeah, she's she will be here hopefully in like a couple weeks. (laughs) And yeah, my girl. Yeah, we've done we've done a bunch of stuff together, a bunch of campaigns. Um, She did a tour with Kia uh, a couple years ago, and I went on tour with her as a photographer. Her and another influencer CEO um and yeah we've just been like attached to it ever since
0: <laughs> yes that that launch photo shoot is that was the one I was like I was like that yeah it <laughs> was so good it was so good and so and I think it was I had fantasized that you mentioned that you had done it and I was just like whoa wait a minute I really need to know Denise Denise yeah <laughs> so definitely a big fan of that work and so what what got you out to Arizona in the first place my boo, I was, you know what I was, I was about to try to sing
2: like Alicia Keys, but I was like, mm, that's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there yeah. you go, thank you. I was like, wait, that, that is, I'm so glad I caught that. Um, <laughs> that would have been like real bad. Yeah, so I met my husband in New York. He was working on a pipeline project. I'm on the Hudson and, a fu- okay, funny story that I don't think I've ever like publicly and to an audience shared other than like on stories or something. Um, but he was working for a pipeline project. And I got approached by a dating site company that I know what to name. Um, but basically, they were just like, we're about to take the Tinder swipe situation. And we need like beta testers. And we just need you to create a profile, go on there, um, you know, swipe for a couple of hours, we'll pay you like a 1000 bucks or however much it was. And you just have to you just have to message one person um so my husband was the person I messaged <laughs> and wow. and, oh. yeah. and we met up and I was real corny like because I didn't think I was like I'm getting paid for this like I'm about to log off and never log on again um and I was just like how's the weather do you like pizza and yeah and four years later he makes really good pizza
1: <laughs> wow what a love story oh my god yeah. I'm like yeah. I will forever be alone I only <laughs> wish
0: Listen, That's, that was me for a long time. Where, I had where are the dating sites out.
1: at? I want to be a beta tester. <laughs>
0: right, I was right? thinking that. I was like, let me beta, let me find my husband in beta.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: beta husband. Yeah. So he, um, he, with
2: his job, he traveled like 340 days out of the year. Um, so his home base was Arizona, here in this house, but he was never home. So we long distance for a little bit, and then it was like a year and change, and I was like, I, right. my man's like. I'm getting a little older. I mean, I was like 26 and I was like, I'm getting old. Because
0: on Dominican time, that is old. On Dominican time.
2: Oh, on Dominican time, I got dust on my ovaries and cement dry over my uterus.
0: (laughs) Like, we got
2: to go, honey. So I was just like, this is really hard. You know, it was just really hard um, being in a long distance relationship for me. Like, because I was off. He's the first person I've ever been like in love with. Um, Mm. Just the first first person that I was ever like just so uh, like even just obsessed with like I wanted to talk to him all the time to see him all the time obviously not being able to that's a lot to do with that um but yeah then we just decided that he would quit his job he came out here helped me establish my business for a year he worked with me and he shot all my content and he like learned photography and did his own thing too um and yeah and so I mean I will say like our mortgage is very cheap. <laughs> like we, a lot of that stuff factored into there. Like we got baby girl, baby girls. We have a $700 mortgage for a four bedroom, two bathroom house. What? Wow. We got a backyard. Like it's, um, it's the, it was, it was really hard to obviously leave, um, you know, Jersey, New York, my people, my community. It's still like a struggle not having community and diversity is something that I struggle with. Um, but you obviously can build a different life for yourself. Or well, personally, you know, financially, I've been able to build a different life by being able to save and and just having a different opportunity. Obviously, I am very lucky that my husband already had this house. He had already owned it for a bunch of years and I just kind of moved in and took over. But <laughs> but yeah,
0: that, that's how I ended up here in the sticks. <laughs> Wow. wow, I love that. This is such a like, where is there like a photography book with written story that you're gonna do with for this? Cause this is like,
3: yes. he always, you know,
0: he always tells me to do that. So like funny thing
2: is when we were dating, um, we like, he was not allowed because it's a pipeline, like a live pipeline project, um, which like if anyone is against pipelines and all that stuff, like that's not my job, do not come for me. Keep your comments <laughs> to yourself. So, like, <laughs>
3: um,
2: <laughs> he doesn't do that anymore um and they're not all bad but we like I used to ask him a lot of questions I'm very inquisitive and like not like a nosy way but it's like oh okay well if you can be like he was literally in a pickup truck for 12 hours just staring at like a project supervising a project so he had a lot of time I was a nanny and and a photographer um so I also had a lot of time and I was just asking questions so one day we counted and it was like over 700 and something questions over a span of like a year and change and he was like you should do a coffee table book with like pictures like a story like questions that you should ask." because they were like it wasn't just like oh what's your favorite like dish you know things like that it wasn't also like okay what's your childhood trauma like <laughs> like things like that because <laughs> um, you know you know how we are yeah um, <laughs> and that like that actually like really helped the way that we communicate like we've been together four years we've never had an argument knock on wood um
3: wow, yeah fun. like
2: <laughs> we I mean, it's, it's a lot to do with like the having to communicate you know because you can't see each other you can't storm off you can't be like mira coño like whatever mm. but um but yeah so that's maybe I will do like a little story thing
1: <laughs> yeah listen that story is very fucking interesting like I would love to I think you would be able to bring it to life visually for sure thank you all right. So Denise, the first question we're going to ask you is when you're out to broncher with the ladies, what is your choice broncher bebida?
2: Oh, um, I, feel, I feel like the like dainty lady in me wants to go with something light, but I'm just like a, a Bloody, Mary. <laughs>
1: Bloody Mary. Really? Yes. Yeah. I've never gotten into Bloody Marys. What is it that like appeals to you? like?
2: Um, so I don't like it with like, usually I say like very low on the hot sauce or just give me the hot sauce and i'll do it myself because sometimes yes. it just feels like you're eating like sasong <laughs> which is <laughs> so weird like depending on how they make it um so it's just like it's like a little bit savory depending on where you go like they might put like some shrimp on there or uh, olives or whatever like you might get like a small meal on the straw of your bloody mary <laughs> um, and it's just like it's a really good drink i don't really like i stopped drinking in over no- last november um, just cause it was like fucking with my mental health. I don't drink a lot, but like when I, I when I do, it's just like zero to hundred, like no matter what, I'm just a lightweight, like I'm, like I'm a piece of shit when it comes to drinking. I want to be down and hang with my friends.
3: <laughs> I can
2: Um, so I was just like, Oh, okay. Well, like I was exercising a bunch and I'm like, let me just try this like sober fall thing. And then I just haven't drank since. Um, but I'm more of a whiskey person. Like if I'm having a whiskey at 10 AM, that's totally fine. <laughs>
1: like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, with your Bloody Mary? What's going to be your choice brunch and plate?
2: Uh, I haven't gone to brunch in so long. I feel like.
1: Listen, me neither. <laughs> Same.
2: I'm trying to be like we just. The last the time I went time. to brunch
1: was in February. So I'm going through it. Yeah. But
2: yeah. If you could choose,
1: if you could, what if like if we were ordering you brunch right now, what would you order?
2: You know what? I love seafood. So I'm going to say like shrimp and grits. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Ooh, yeah yes. but there's a spot
2: in harlem that all knows that i went to i forgot what it's called you have to ask her
1: put um, us on
2: it is amazing i will ask her and let like, you guys know so you plug it in but it is
0: incredible yeah so probably and grits Ooh. yeah grits. i love me some good and grits especially but it's sometimes people fuck up grits but when somebody does not fuck up the grits
2: you yeah. could just have it by itself <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so, so when, you, what was it like when you would go out to eat growing up?
2: You know, I, either I have suppressed those memories or I just don't have any, like, because <laughs> I don't, I don't think we really, like, it was always like, <laughs> like yeah. en la casa de arroz, like, en la casa comida, you know, um I didn't, I don't remember going to like McDonald's or anything until I was older. I do remember my dad, the company, my dad used to work for. My dad used to work for Phillips Electronics mm. um, corporate and they used to do host like a dinner and I thought it was like Disney world, like, and I still mm. haven't been to Disney, but it was just like, look at this fancy tableware and like, look at all the stuff. Like, oh my God. So I remember those events. Um, And then like when I got my own job and stuff, like I would just be like hanging out at McDonald's, you know, with my friends and all that stuff. But otherwise it was just, yeah, we're going
0: out to eat at your grandma's house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which by the way, sometimes is better than a lot of these restaurants that we go to. I'm so
2: sick of fast food during the van pandemic. Like if I
0: see, if uh, if I just resort to DoorDash one more time, I'm gonna just yell at myself. like. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of myself
0: so tell us your favorite bochincha topic to discuss over a meal
2: there's let me preface this by saying that I feel like a lot of people are going to be like oh my god bochinche like we're all bochincheros yes so can we just yeah. all say that out loud a like absolutely yeah, I am it's a part prob. of the culture <laughs> like I there is a healthy dosage of bochinche and like chismoseria Yes. Um, so let's just all admit that for a second. Like you guys listening at home, It's okay. We're all we, we all agree on that. Absolutely. Um, but it depends on the climate, you know. If we have a mutual friend that's doing, you know, some fuck boy or fuck girl shit, we're just like, yo, you saw what homegirl did? Like you like, usually it's the group chat, whatever's happening in the group chat,
3: you know? <laughs> it's
2: like how mad were you? When you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, usually it's just I mean, it's bochincha, so it's something that's going to make, you know, entertainment that isn't about you, (laughs) like, basically. Whatever, like, the hot topic of the week is.
3: Cheers!
0: (laughs) All right, so now we're going to move into our cheers to the lady who section, where we shout out uh, dope people doing dope shit. So I have to say, you know, we, we we launched season four in the beginning of the pandemic and mm-hmm. we're, you know, gosh, how many months out? Seven, six, seven months out? Um, you know, I just have to say cheers <laughs> to the fact that life has persisted. I mean, yeah. at this point, there is such a like low bar for like what is, like you <laughs> celebrate a sunny day at this point, you know, um, which in some ways is really wonderful because I think what what the pandemic has taught a lot of us is that we can slow down. Like, actually, we can take our time. Like, actually, no, I can work from home. I can Mm -hmm. say no to things. Like, there's just just an ownership of time that I think has been transformed a bit that I really, really appreciate. But I have to say that I'm now in appreciation phase. I think for a while, having that time, but feeling like I was on edge waiting for the world to make a very specific shift or direction so I can like lock my focus in, mm. it took forever. I mean, it was really hard. Um, but I wanna hear some updates around like, what's what are some wins that we've been able to get do, even in the middle of a global pandemic? Skittles, what's up with you? Cause you've had a little wild life win.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, what's so crazy about this entire thing is uh, with, when COVID was beginning, Uh, And we had, you know, we had just had, like, a busy month of, like, working on the season or whatever and getting ready to, like, launch it or whatever. Um, But I remember going to work feeling like, oh, my God, I do not want to be in this classroom. I do not want to do this. I do not want to do that. And then when COVID came, it was like... (laughs) did I wish this into existence that I'm like never going to have to be in a fucking classroom again? Oh my God, what did I do? (laughs) But really at the end of the day, as unfortunate of an experience as COVID has been, it has also brought like a lot of great, just like opportunities in terms of like, you know, like you said, like that ownership of time and really kind of doing that self that self love for yourself. Um, I started, You know, I also, I stopped drinking in August just to kind of, like, kick up a little bit of a more healthy Mm -hmm. self-love, healthy choices, healthier habits. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all of 2020, my big goal was to become more active, but um, towards, like, August, after, you know, I was binge drinking all the time on Zoom, I finally started, like, working out and, like, actually taking care of myself. I need
2: that energy. Um,
1: And then... uh, I um, premiered in wildlife as Debbie on sci-fi. So now every Saturday night, you could catch me on sci-fi in a cartoon called wildlife. So that was really cool. Um, And that was a dope experience because I recorded it over COVID. So I recorded a whole animated series in my closet, essentially. Um, So that was a very cool experience. I feel like I was able to focus a good amount of energy into being creative, which allowed me to stay like sane for the majority of the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I think that the content that came out of it was all like just like a level up. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Meet Bitch series that we started with Julissa and Adiza, um, the music videos that I've done with Joe and Dozo and stuff like that, just like all that content and all the collaborations that were going on. Um, we're dope. We're dope. Um, yeah. And, you know, we still out here, we are still trying to hustle. We're still trying to make things work. Um, and yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> keep
0: on, keep it That's on. amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think like for me, interestingly enough, like I, I got laid off during the pandemic. And so I went from being on the impact team at WeWork with working alongside Miguel McKelvey, who's the fucking co-founder. And it was like a moment. It was like, oh my God, mom, look, I made it. And it almost Mm -hmm. felt like I made it on accident. And I was like, how did I even get to this point? And, And it was such a big moment. And I was just getting into it. You know what I mean? I was just getting into it before everything sort of blew up. And I think that that's where my my transition felt a little foggy because I was like, okay, I was literally set up for what felt like one of the biggest opportunities of my life. And then a virus hit and now, my life choices and like direction that I thought was real it's no longer real and so it just it was it and I think I'm still sort of in that because I'm still unemployed (laughs) Mm -hmm. unemployed. but I I think when I talked about time I think having the time to myself really gave me time to think about how do I really step forward into my purpose and the things that I can do and make money off of that and I feel like Mm -hmm. i I've spent a lot of time behind the scenes and supporting other entrepreneurs and things like that. And I know how to make the moves. Like I know the blueprint. I just have a deep fear around failure that I'm having to work through, which I think is, you know, just life update this pandemic like has forced me to really be reflective and, and, and make life choices. You know what I mean? And really Mm -hmm. understand that. I cannot wait for the world to figure itself out in order to figure myself out and to tap into my superpowers. Day, I, I, was, I won a commission, a writer's commission um, for, with the Latinx Playwright Circle in, in, in partnership with Bregones Theater Company, which was really big for me because when I submitted it, I was like, I'm not gonna get this. I literally sent it with the intention of knowing it was already a failure before it was even open. <laughs> And then Mm. I ended up winning and that was like crazy. Um, And then I've had like, you know, I have this artistic project I'm doing with Intar Theater where we're going to have pop-up theater disruptive, almost like, um, ah, what are those called? Those mob, flash mobs? Flash Flash mobs. mobs. Flash mob style theater right before the election to encourage people to vote and to make political statements. So like that's really awesome. And I was able to get an artistic commission from them to start working on another project, just to any project, like what project might I want to get started on? Because the future of theater right now is so up in the air that it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the grants and monies that people had left over too. They're like, we still want to create. We still want artists to get paid to create art, even during a time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I'm in a very interesting posi- position to do that. And yeah, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Denise, what about you? What's, what's COVID life been like?
2: I mean, like Skittles, I thought I manifested this because (laughs) I
0: thought I manifested (laughs) a whole ass pandemic. My husband got
2: a new job in December, um, which requires him, like, he's, he just got into this really cool position. Um, He's an awesome, like, supervisor and just, like, leader. So he supervises the entire West Coast for a company, and so he had to travel again. Mm. And he was traveling like twice a month for a couple of days. And I was like, this bullshit again. Like, <laughs> we already did this. Like, you know, we were already apart um, and it was weird. And so he traveled like twice and the pandemic hit. And I was like, I was like crying about it. I was like, why do you have to leave? Like, I'm out here by myself, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Mm. And literally then they just suspended all travel. And he just went to work today for the first time since March. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, oh my God first of all I'm either like a really powerful ruha or it's like, <laughs> or it's like some shit is going on because I feel like I caused this um but no I mean like everyone who's listening I'm sure like you guys have had to pivot um you know my thing is photography and travel that's like literally I came last last year I was on an airplane I think I counted 11 times like round trip i, I mean last kenya. year
1: last year this this time we were at hispanic time yeah yeah
2: we literally, literally this hispanic week time last year oh my yeah. god that's crazy yeah it was like mm-hmm. a Thursday or something that's we wow. were literally we... in la right that's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah i i was like right before that i was in kenya for like half a month um with a, a non-prof like shooting some stuff and before that i was in the city and before that i was like here and there. And it was like doing what I, what I really, really love, which is just photographing things and people and traveling. And, and so not being able to do that, um, I really had to like shift my business. And so I do a lot of influencer work, which is cool. Um, I would like to say and speak for myself, but I approach it differently. So I don't like just being like, oh my God, like look at this lotion that they sent me, like whatever, like I'll still do that in my story, like thanks for the free lotion. But I don't, you know, I'm very particular about the sponsorships that I do um, just because I feel like it's a big reflection of like my ethos and just what I'm representing. And I'm not trying to like just be out here supporting like racist or problematic people. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard because at that time, especially like when Black Lives Matter came into the conversation, everyone wanted to, if you were like a little bit tan, like you ain't even have to be like totally brown. <laughs> if you were just like sun-kissed, they were just like, hi, how are you? We love your content. We'd love to work with you. Uh-uh. And so it was like, just kind of like using, like learning to use my discernment, learning what kind of questions to ask, training down a lot of money during a pandemic where most of my money that, that I'm making is not coming in. Um, but luckily, you know, I work solely with content creators and small business owners. And so a lot of them were also pivoting and had to have new websites, media kits. Um, you know, needed a consultation to learn how. You know, what the best way to pivot was. And so, I did a lot of that. Um, a lot of big wins. Like I've scored a lot of my highest paying collaborations this year, which is bizarre. And I've worked with some of the coolest companies that only work with like Blunki does, and whatever that I pitched to. Because I was like, I'm gonna also make this work to my advantage. You're not about to say no to me. So yeah. here's the plan, and this is the budget. <laughs> um, so a lot of that has been really awesome. Um my favorite part about all this is that I started therapy again, which is great. I had an amazing therapist in the city um that I went to for like 6 7 years and obviously because of the state difference like she wasn't allowed to practice here um and so I was just really bummed because this was a very like even like tra- the, the thing about trauma is like even though it's even if it has like it's good stuff it's still traumatic. So this was like a very very like just a huge thing and like you know there were little bits of trauma about it and not having anyone to express that to and being like in living a pandemic um mm-hmm. and just you know like i have like i had no motivation to, like i was on my peloton like five days a week and i was doing all this stuff and then i was just like i just don't even want to get out of bed so having someone to like talk through to like with those about those things has been really really awesome and i just got fucking lucky as hell somebody recommended her to me and i love her because therapy shopping is exhausting. Yes. And like, <laughs> sometimes you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to help myself. Cause, like, <laughs> <it didn't. laughs> but um, she's awesome. And so, yeah, that, that's been, I think mean, that's been my biggest win so far is finding like a therapist that I love.
1: Nice. Yes. Come on, Denise, with these gems.
0: <laughs> so, Skittles, you had a shout out for for somebody who got a big win during.
1: Oh, the- <laughs> I wanted to cheers to Britney Spears for being able to <laughs> choose her own representation in court for the first time in 12 years. This bitch has been under a conservatorship for 12 years and has not been able to make any legal decisions for 12 years. So, you know, I, that's it's a big deal. It's a it's for her, at least and for the, for the fans. It's,
2: it's a huge deal. Yeah. Wait, I have a question about that, though. Yeah. Do you think, this is just like an observation of someone who's on the outside, does not know Brittany, like whatever. Do you think that after being in a conservatorship for 12 years and like just kind of having your life managed like that, like putting yourself in her place, do you think that you would make a sound decision? Like, do you think you'd be capable of making a sound decision? Or are you just gonna like be like, I'm gonna rehire my dad's lawyer. You know, like that's my fear that she's gonna hire someone in like their circle because it's mm-hmm. like, what else do you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the this whole thing, well, the father was, her father was like petitioning against her being able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so like, it's definitely obvious that like her father doesn't want or doesn't right. feel that she's capable of doing this. But I also wonder if it's like, She's become like this cash cow for this family, right? Like mm-hmm. they've been they've made a ton of money while she's under this conservatorship that's usually used for people who are under a vegetative vegetative state, right? Mm. So I wonder if her acting sane and her acting normal has only helped his case in being able to control her. Mm. Um
2: yeah, that's true. I mean, we can only speculate. I think he just yes. keeps her medicated
1: uh, so that she yeah, appears
2: maybe. to be like incoherent and or like just not there
1: yeah i i just i don't know i just hope that this is a good step in in another direction for her because i couldn't imagine not being able to make any legal or personal decisions without my parents to like making it for me what or sometimes it being an outside lawyer that has no relation to me
2: right or no desire to see you like like their desires is in the interest of the other person who's benefiting from your entire situation yeah that's a really big win when i saw that you posted it on facebook i was like no i was like wait is this like the onion hold on (laughs) (laughs) is this real (laughs)
3: because
2: (laughs) we've been rooting for this i like
0: signed a petition and everything that's my girl's britney bitch right yes (laughs) I'm happy to see it too. I'm hoping like Skittle says it's a step in the right direction because I'm I'm here for another round of a Britney evolution and like seeing what comes out of that both artistically Mm. and just like in general, right? With like how she presents and what she puts on her platforms and all that stuff. I just think, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then there's been other things. Like we started the, like right before the pandemic, we lost Kobe Bryant, but this week the LA Lakers won the championship. Uh, yeah, and, and having the Le- LeBron James at the center of that, and having his voice be a center in Black Lives Matter, for example, um, and and oh, and not a center. I'm going to retract that. Not a center, but when it comes to the NBA and that organization mm-hmm. it has been centered in in the conversation. And so to see that tie was just kind of like a, a double win. Um, I'm not a Lakers fan, like individually, but I was still here for the win. I was still I was not gonna mm-hmm. be yeah. sure about it. Um, but th- but. Really, really have just been here in general cheering for our Black Lives Matter movement because I think for me, even in content creation, like there's always a way in which I feel awkward having to subscribe to whatever challenges or popular things are happening <laughs> on the internet because I am just generally the bitch who's talking politics and cares about those things. Mm -hmm. i just like to do it in my authentic way that isn't very NPR-ish, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, having this Black Lives Matter thing open up and then like you said, Denise, having people in a moment where they have to pivot all of a sudden and, and freaking out, I feel like opened up a little hole of opportunity for me to think about how I have a presence. Spaces mm-hmm. that I really don't care to have a presence for for myself but if if I'm appealing to some degree and I can talk my shit about things that I do care about then why not put some energy towards that because I was on my phone anyway you know what I mean yeah right like, like yeah on my phone anyway might as well make some use of it so there's been some big ones all around so cheers usually we would do this with our glasses in person in and uh-huh. yeah <laughs> I don't even
1: have anything to drink here, right? Lip gloss, oh, can
0: I have some? All right, so now we're moving into our tuta loca. Is what we call motherfuckers out who are doing the most uh voter suppression, ladies and gentlemen, is alive and well in this (laughs) country. Um, during one of the most important elections in our generation, Mm. so. In Texas and in Georgia, they've already started with early voting, um, and there have been record numbers uh, numbers in terms of people who are showing up and showing out for these elections. Um, and by the way, that doesn't we can't tell if it's a big turnout leaning left or right necessarily, um, right. but we do know that on both sides, people feel very viscerally that they want to protect and have their their candidate win. This is literally like a. I mean, answer two really heavy hitter boxers go having a match like yeah. not candidates themselves. Are, let me let me be clear. I do not think that Trump is a heavy hitter, nor nor <laughs> hitter Biden is. But the issues that they have to speak to are, and so right. it's it's like this this heavy election. Trump is talking about how he's he doesn't know that he trusts the way the election is going to go already on top of the fact that there is some voter suppression that is seemingly leaning right in the sense that in California, there are, you know, um, boxes that are, have been put around neighborhoods to drop off your Republican ballot, but they're not official like poll locations. They're just Mm -hmm. boxes that are being put up. And so, you know, the question becomes like, what's happening with all those votes, but then someone might say, what if, a conspiracy, right? Because that we're full of those these days. A conspiracy could be like, oh yeah, they collect it as though it's for Republicans, but then they hold their own votes. And later, when he loses, they can come back with those votes and be like, ha, look, somebody messed with the Republican oh votes. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, and and at first you hear that and you're like, that sounds like a lot of work. But when you think about the deterioration of America over the years, it always takes mad work because it's so conniving, but people are so determined to keep power that they do these mm. things. And so it doesn't start to sound so ridiculous when you really, really think about it. Um, anyway, all that to say, it, it's, it's, it's really difficult to see that there's so much voter, voter suppression that is evident and doesn't seem to be addressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I hear mm-hmm. news reports, but I don't ever really hear the full solutions. And I and I feel like we had a lot of news reports talking about the anticipation of this, but I'm like, where was the counteraction? And not just from small groups and community organizers who were trying to be on foot because they mm-hmm. weren't there. I don't want to act like they're not. But it's like, yeah, these people who also don't have the platform and power enough to make that effective enough, but it'll it'll make a difference in small places, but it goes both ways. I was just watching how in Pennsylvania, um, the Trump campaign has a whole fleet of people on foot with digital technology to make sure that people are voting, registering, um, and the numbers are showing that a lot of these, you know, small business owners in, in Pennsylvania, which is currently a red state, they voted for Trump last election, and they're feeling really, like they're they're regaining their trust in Trump. you know, for a while people thought he wasn't going to win, but, but they're on foot too. And so just as much voter suppression as, as, as is happening, the, the Republican party is very tactful in how it's recruiting its voters. And on our side, there's just a lot of mistrust. Like, I feel like we're in an unhealthy relationship, not just with the government, but even the democratic party as people are mm-hmm. um, And I feel, I don't know, I feel like voter suppression is just one of the, one of many different issues that might fuck us over this election. So I bring all that up to ask and wonder, <laughs> what have your guys' thoughts been around voter, voter suppression, but voting in general, like what the hell do you think is gonna happen after this
1: election? scared either way I like with the amount of people that I myself have witnessed that have this attitude towards voting where it's like you know they don't think that their their voice is gonna even count you know I have family members that have that attitude and it's like (laughs) what (laughs) you know um so even like I just like I'm I'm not I can't say that I'm shocked to hear that <laughs> that this is going on because in 2020 it's like what else is shocking but it's like I'm curious to know what the solution is because I, I can't even think of one myself and even sitting here you know right. um I yeah. don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: it's like not much <laughs> it's like I don't know yeah, I mean, here in Arizona, um, obviously, I'm way out in the West Coast, in the Southwest, and Arizona is a red state, essentially. Um, people say it's like a purple state. I'm like, that shit is red as hell. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't know where y'all be going, but this shit is red. And it's, I mean, today's the 14th. Um, the deadline for voter registration was extended. To the 23rd and we just found out yesterday that was that it was retracted and it's only extended to tomorrow the 15th <gasps> voter Ooh. suppression voter suppression as fuck. yeah so people literally have until tomorrow like 7 p.m to register yeah. to vote if they haven't registered already um and when i googled it i couldn't find anything on it i found out about it through like a small publication arizona publication on twitter so like maybe now because it's 6 p.m here now so maybe if you look it up now like you might be able to find it but you couldn't find any like actual source that told you that the date changed so people still don't know news outlets aren't talking about it um and it's like it it is so trifling out here (laughs) let me tell y'all it is trifling um i mean it's it's been like we've, we've had our black lives matter protests and and all that stuff and people are I mean, it's a predominantly like Hispanic uh, community, but very impoverished or like, you know, lower income, underserved communities Mm
3: -hmm. and who
2: have been gravely affected by COVID, who have lost their jobs, um, who are either working factory jobs or have like small, you know, taquerias or whatever, small businesses and have been greatly impacted. Um, The language barrier has been a huge issue for voters. So I've worked along with when uh, Michelle Obama's organization and a few other celebrities, when we all vote, I worked a lot with them this campaign season to encourage the Latinx youth to vote in Arizona. There's gonna be like, I don't remember the exact number, but I know that it's a ton of Latinx youth voters who turn 18 before the election and who are eligible to vote. So I'm hoping like that we can actually, even just in the country, like the amount of Latinx youth that turn 18 this year can actually like swing the election.
3: Mm. if they
2: all vote um so it's just been a lot here you know there's a lot of like uh, obviously we've seen how trump has encouraged just poor behavior racism xenophobia like just all everything that you can think of so you've seen a lot of that here like in the beginning when like black lives matter stuff started happening there was like a a youtuber i don't know his name um he came out here and like looted the mall (laughs) the bougie mall in scottsdale and it was during a Black Lives Matter protest and it became like a big thing. So that night we have an app, I don't know if you guys have it um, or if like New Yorkers use it, but it's called uh, Next Door. Mm-hmm. And basically you can just like see what's happening in your neighborhood. Like people will be like, I'm selling this or like whatever, or I need help with this, like whatever. Um, and one of our like, it's it's like a little community um, and you can, you can usually see like way out of your community like within like 10 miles. But in our small community, like I saw somebody who was like, well, I'm ready with my shotgun in the front, you know, in the front yard. And one of those like, you know, colored folk <laughs> come out here, like whatever. Because people were saying like, you know, the black people were coming to like, come into your house, like lock your shit, like just real ignorant shit. So that was what the climate was. And that climate, he, I feel like hugely impacted vote, like what voting is going to be like um I mean we mentioned voter suppression it's happening like we we're seeing it happen today here in Arizona I don't I don't know like he was out here he did a Latinos for Trump um campaign and like everybody's mom was out there I was like where y'all find these people (laughs) like where just where do these people come from he filled out like a whole thing you know and people don't wear masks and they don't care and and so I'm trying to be I'm I'm more of a realist and an optimist, you know, like I'm very analytical. I like to like just prepare myself for the worst. Um, so I'm like, okay, we might not be like the thing that helps this election. Like, please do not count on us, a- a- Arizonians, which I do not claim to be, but please do not count on Arizona for this election because it's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of like, well, he's gonna win anyway, so my vote doesn't count, you know. My
3: uh-huh. vote
2: Which, I will be 100% honest, the first time I ever voted, I'm 30 years old, the first time I ever voted was last election because I didn't want him to win. Um, Because I never had any, I'm so thankful for social media today because I never had anyone tell me my vote was important. I never had anyone, you know, urge me to register to vote. I registered to vote, I think, during, I was shooting Panorama Festival um, in New York and somebody was just like, hey, you wanna register to vote? And I was like, a fucking yes, whatever. Um mm. and like that person stopped and talked to me and like kind of explained how voting works. Like I've learned so much from friends by asking questions. And so I do feel also like like Skittles was saying, like, there are a lot of people just my family, my my family is predominantly like super far right. So um I'm like the one of the like black sheep that's just like no fight the power. <laughs> um, and mm. so like we have those, and then we just have people out here who are, you know, I have family members who are like. I don't know, they're both awful and I'm just not voting. I don't want to yep. be a part of this. they don't want to
1: make the they don't make wanna make the decision.
2: Right, which is you know, like the a vote for anyone, but at this point, I will say this, you guys don't have to agree. A vote for anyone but Biden right now is a vote for Trump. Like, do not be voting for Kanye.
3: Do not <laughs> be voting for like
2: please mm. so, like he's on the ballot, I think, in California. Mm. Um God. so like just just it's it's just a lot, like between just it is a shit show.
0: like our yeah, entire country absolutely. is like is a sick like a really bad sitcom right now. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I think that like I, and thank you for sharing and like when the first time you voted was because I think another thing that i'm I'm noticing about just voting and the in the culture of voting and how it's shifted, especially for younger generations is that, the information of, of voting and the importance and how you like lean into it is very much driven by how what what like social media platforms are saying about it um, and how influencers are talking about it. And so it's it's been there's been the shift of you know the, these different parties having to depend on the the influencers, damn, even the TikTokers, right? To like really be the ones to drive an in information and funnel, and even culturally for us, and, you know, even though I'm not one of these people who gets approached, but when I become one of these people, right, like, you know, when I become one of these people, I think that it's interesting how it's a quick solution packaging of a a message and throw it in their face so they can just do it and not a clear investigation laying out understanding of the why, right? So when you tell somebody who's an abolitionist, who's like, listen, I'm ready for change. It's just, yeah, I want to go do it on a little piece of paper. And I'm telling you, burn it to the ground, right? So like you have these like extremes and it's kind of like, well, clearly that person isn't completely aligned with what voting is but Mm -hmm. like how what's when you think about it the missing link there is not so much that abolitionists think that people who want to vote are are crazy and have zero desire for change but that they know that those are the very people who like if it had to happen in reverse like are these people who are passionate about the vote actually passionate enough about the causes to know that if it became a civil war god forbid are really down to fight for the cause or are those the same people who are going to be scared and just conform right back and so we're never going to take the power back because we're always going to be too afraid to step up and so i feel like because they make it very black and white and on the internet, it's like, I can post a meme that makes the statement about abolitionists and I can be an abolitionist that posts this meme that just people mm. who engage in voting, we're fighting each other and the Republicans are laughing their way off. You know what I mean? Back into the White House. Like I just, it just is frustrating and I think we need to open up the dialogue around voting because there there is value in listening to the why for some people, why they don't want to vote, not because you should follow suit, but because in that, I think you understand that the power of the vote and the power to have the opportunity is the opportunity to do the things that these abolitionists want to do without using the system of voting Mm. to get it done. So we are on the same team, but how are we speaking to each other and why are we letting media, whether social media or just regular media outlets, dictate the culture of what you have to believe? Like if you follow the shade room, then uh, you wait for shade room to tell you your opinion on on something. Like why is that? Mm. What did you think about it before anybody told you, before you read the caption? before you read the comments, you know what I mean? Before you went to see if the person who reposts things that you trust, what they think first so that you can then say, oh, okay, well, if they think that it must be the safe thought. Um, yeah, anyway, well, that's uh, my rant. <laughs> that's my
2: rant, yeah. <laughs> I just wanna add to that really quick. Yes, please. Um, like the, one of the, what, I think one of the biggest issues with a lot of what you said is the misinformation and like disinformation. So I learned this weekend, I took a training on disinformation and like the black and Hispanic community And um, like misinformation is just like bad information that's out there. Like your aunt is posting about like how COVID you breathe your oxygen back in and your brain cells die. Like like so then disinformation is information that is purposely divisive and like Mm -hmm. just, you know people are out there just putting, you know like putting uh, poll locations or something that don't exist. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, And one of the things that I realized about our generation is that this is like I always call it the microwave generation like we want everything done for us and served for us and thought for us. So like, if I can't consume it in like a real, like 15 seconds, then I don't want to know more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of like lack of education. It's a lot of, you know, like, like uh, a lot of the stuff that I've learned, I've had to research on my own. I've had to be like, okay, what is the electoral college? Like if you ask 10 of your friends, well, not your friend specifically, because they're probably not well. No, you six no, people, yes, kind of our Like, <laughs> eight, <laughs> no like seven to eight of them might not know what the hell it is and what it does and why it's so outdated, you know? And so I have personally, like I would be the first to admit, that I have just been like, you know what? Like I, how can you vote for this person? Like I'm cutting you off, I'm done. A lot of it is done from like, you know, the, the issues that they, uh, like the issues that they agree with that support him, you know, it's like, Oh, like I can't, I really can't fuck with you. Like, okay, not everyone that I saw a quote that says not everyone that votes for Trump is a racist, but all of them decided that racism wasn't a deal, deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's really, really big for me, you know, on things like that, where I have been aggressive and I have been like, you know what, we're about to unfriend you on Facebook because I'm done with you. Like things like that, but it's, it's the lack of information. It's like, you know, like you really have to have a desire to learn and do your own research. Like I am on Reddit sometimes and I'm like, okay, let me see what these, you know, these wild right wingers are posting because right. you need to know both sides. Like you can't just be having have a biased opinion um, where, you know, but like what people are saying, it's, you know, they're both horrible. And who am I going to vote for? It doesn't matter. Like, I think of it this way, like we are literally a house that's already falling apart. We are one hurricane away from just being blown away. Right. And there is a tree that is about to fall on us. Right. And we have two choices. We got a rusty ass butter knife that we have right now. And we have an old saw that's like, you know, (laughs) a little bit dangerous, but what is gonna hold us up? What is gonna allow us to cut that tree down and shift it the other way so that we can then go fix the issues that we have back behind us in the house. Like this is what we're looking at between two candidates. No one is perfect. We are never gonna have a perfect candidate. Not in my generation, not in the next one. Um, unless we build a robot like to our standards and even still we won't all agree so I think that's something to think about and just like people really just need to take the time out to read and it's it's all heavy politics are heavy they're not for everyone like I can talk about this all day because I love it and I'm passionate about change and, and we're all passionate about you know our communities and there are some people that are just like I'm passionate about Making enough money to feed my family this week. Like, I don't have time to think about that. And that's totally understandable. Um, But that's one of the biggest issues that I've seen is just a lack of, you know, because of people's lack of desire or lack of energy and bandwidth to research these topics. People are taking advantage and putting out a lot of misinformation and disinformation that's really just confusing people and making us combative. And like, I just be wanting to put my Tim's on and fight everybody,
3: honestly, (laughs) at this point. Like,
0: that's pretty much it. Yes, yes. Ah, love that. Love that. Um, vote. <laughs> People. Please vote. Vote. <laughs> vote vote I know it sounds whack I know it sounds corny I know it feels like it makes no sense we're from New York where they say oh well New York is always blue and I encourage you to look at the election map results from last year so that you understand that yes because New York City is very heavily populated we are the ones who end up pulling that blue in but look at your state New York it is a red state up Go up, mm-hmm. it's so red, mm-hmm. it's startling how red New York is. And look at Staten Island and parts of Brooklyn, it's startling how red New York actually is. And if we, the people who are comfortable, who are the blues are a little too comfortable and don't feel like risking it for COVID, but you be up in the, in the Heights smoking the hookah and going to the brunches, I see us, I'm watching us, okay? <laughs> like, no me van a saca con esa de que que oh por COVID, fuck that, get up and go and just do the shit just do it yep. just do it and don't risk it I, it is just not worth it's just not worth the risk and if you feel it's not going to create real change then vote and then give me a presentation on what real change you thought you was about to do that was in the system of voting and let's see how yeah. we get together and do both because both things can be true that's my vote pitch
1: oh this looks good oh my God, this is delicious I definitely want to Um,
0: now we're going to move into our plate of the day our main topic Um, and today we're going to talk about the color of love right so denise you talk a lot (laughs) about you you started and you shared a bit about your boo your beta boo and how you found him um and But I want to know in terms of the dynamic that you guys have being an interracial couple. So I wanna invest, I wanna unpack that a bit more. This season we are unpacking the intersection of black lives and I think black love is really important. And I think that black women oftentimes are at the center of criticism of how we do or don't show up for our communities and how we you know, present things or how we do or don't support the men in our own communities. And so suddenly choices like who we love become the mm-hmm. center of who you are as a person and what you think about your blackness and your identity, which I personally think is fucked up, but I also have actually never been at the center of an interracial relationship. I've never dated a white guy before. And not because I'm like, fuck white guys, just. <laughs> I grew up in in a time when, like, I was really into like Lincoln Park and all that stuff. On top of it, (laughs) popping on my regular culture, but for some reason, you know, because I had Jay Z talking about girls, 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 but then. (laughs) you know, other people like rock songs talking about love and beauty. And I'd always be like, these white boys are so romantic. Just like, oh my God. <laughs> I just really want a white boy. And I used to like be proud and parade this idea that I knew I was going to be with a white guy, but it was very much rooted in a toxic mindset around um, this idea that white guys are better because black guys are emotionally unavailable, rowdy and don't know how to love their women. Mm. Um, I've grown out of that. That was something that happened in high school and I was in high school with white boys for the first time ever in my life. Oh my God, it was a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that sort of experience subconsciously made me fall back from even as an adult being like, oh, I'm aggressively chasing white guys. But it also set me up um, or high school at least fucked me up in the way where it, It was like, none of those white boys liked me. So I Mm. had this like notion in my head that it's not that I'm against interracial dating. It's that I don't fit the mold of what these people see in their future. And otherwise when they're looking at their Thanksgiving table, like I don't look good at the family table. It's what I always struggled (laughs) with. Um, But I'm glad to, to know so many people who navigate these relationships and have insights on on how untrue that can be and how like, though my experience is a valid one, that there are other experiences and there's not just one way that these things go. Um, But before we even go into unpacking all of the, those dynamics, I want to hear from you when you were growing up and you dreamt about what love would look like for you and your future was, what did that image look like for you? How does your current reality differ? And how does your current reality differ from that? Oof. Um, when I was growing up, I so I come from like a very
2: dysfunctional my my parents had a very dysfunctional relationship. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to the story. It's very normal where we come from. Um, so I really wanted to be alone. Like I was really just like, I'm gonna be a badass. I'm gonna get out of this small town, I'm gonna, you know, do really big things. Um I'm gonna, then I'm gonna get, you know, if I ever want children, I'm gonna adopt or get a surrogate or mm-hmm. something like that. And I'm just gonna still be a badass woman raising children on my own. And so I never really had, I was never trusting, you mm-hmm. know, in love. Like it was just very, it was a lot of people, like I come from a very religious background too. So it was a lot of people getting married really young because that's what mm-hmm. like the Bible said to do or, or, you know, that's how, the, that's how evangelical culture is. Like you get married really young so that you don't sin and you could just, you know, have sex and not feel bad about it. Um, And then you're 20 with like three kids and you hate everything, you know? So I just, I was surrounded by a lot of that. And Mm -hmm. so that, uh, even just growing up, like seeing different relationships and I was just like, oh, like, isn't that like hermanita's husband with otra hermanita on the corner? (laughs) Like things like that, where I just had no trust for people. Um, and so I was just like, okay, like I'm self-sufficient and independent enough where I don't need this. So it was never something I desired. Like I never mm. looked at like the Disney movies and I was like, I can't wait to find my Prince Charming to come save me from the hood. Like, <laughs> I just was like, whatever. Um, so it obviously differs now because even up until when I went right before I met my husband, um, I was still like trying to be Shonda Rhimes who's one of my favorite people ever. And I was just like, Shauna ain't got no man. She got a hundred thousand TV shows. <laughs> like Grey's Anatomy's been around for like 80 years. Like she, that shit gonna be around when she dies. <laughs> like <laughs> she's just so powerful and amazing. Um, and that's who I wanna be. Like I wanna emulate her. Like I wanna just have my own little, you know, click. I want my own little family, but just me. Um, and then obviously I met him and that
0: all changed. And so my life is completely different from where I thought I'd be. Nice. And I I think, I I love that that was your answer because I think like in my head, I was like, because I'm the opposite, like mine was the opposite. I grew up um, with parents who, oof, they're going to have 41 years of marriage in January. And like- i they like my mom like my dad was my mom's first a lot of things from what i know because you know they tell there's the stories they want to tell and then there's the truth Maybe <laughs> <minutes>. <laughs> <laughs> so so to my knowledge right and 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 so i've always had this this setup around love that is very disney princess that is very um you know not even rescue complex because I've never felt the need to be rescued but I've always imagined like the the nucleus like the family but that I myself am a bad bitch in that like I imagine like power I've always imagined power couples and my my parents in a way are a power couple even though like they're not Jay-Z and Beyonce in terms of like what their job is but the way that they work within the systems that they do participate in feels very power couple-y so I've always had that image in my head and the need to have someone. So to have that be switched from a very like independent, like just me mindset into finding someone who actually is like, yeah, partner, you know what I mean? And it's just, mm. like, oh, that is so, it's so beautiful. So I'm, I'm also curious what what challenges or or benefits as some would say, Um, have you faced in dating someone outside the culture? And I put that in quotes because culture, I think like there's a cultural identity that has to do with your ethnicity and stuff like that. But then there's like, cultures of things that people like and that are common, like, you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if somebody's really into hip hop culture and to a degree, does that give them a pass uh, that's a black card if they're not black? No, but like there is a commonality in, in a in a mm. culture, right? So like this idea of, that you date outside the culture, it's like, well, what's outside? Like how many boxes are we really checking here? Is it just a skin color? Because culturally we connect for a reason. Yeah. But what are some challenges or benefits that you face in dating outside the culture?
2: Yeah, um, I think I'll start off really vulnerable. When I first started dating my husband, um, I was like fucking around with therapy. Like I was making great money in the city, shooting everybody. So I was just like, here's whatever a week for me to pretend I'm telling you my problems. Um, And then I realized like, so the guy that I dated before that was white and I've only ever had like one Latin ex-boyfriend. So Mm. I was like, okay. I grew up hearing things like, oh, mira, el, el novio de, you know, so-and-so blanquito va a tener pelo bueno, the eyes are going to be nice, you know, y hay que mejorar la raza," and things like that. Not for my family in particular, like my immediate family, but just like friends and other family members. And so one of the things that I did, because I am like hyper self-aware, is I went to therapy and I was like, I need to know that I am not just pursuing this person because he is well off white, established, um, and like, like, I need to know that this is not just me coming to like the societal norms of, or the societal desires of my culture, and mm. like my family, like you do better, like, you know, you get out of like, what do you do, you get out of the hood, you get the person that's gonna help you get the car, you get whatever, like you get to do with the good credit score, like things like that, that I would hear people say. Um, and so that was a really big challenge for me, because like, I, you know, I come from just a personality where I used to self sabotage a lot. So I was like, I really want this to work. And so I'm gonna need to do like a lot of self-reflection because like, is this is this what I really want as a person? Like, Is this what Denise wants? Or is this what Denise's family wants? And it is so ingrained in me that I am making these lifelong decisions based on what I think will make me a better person or give me the life that I'm supposed to have. Um, so that's number one. <laughs> mm. And then just even mm. just like challenges, um, we don't really like my, my husband, embraces the culture. You know, like I'll play like bachata on Saturdays or something if I'm cleaning or like salsa merengue or whatever. And he'll just like pretend to sing along and like be dancing in the <laughs> kitchen. Like, and I mean, he's we, we mentioned it before, but my husband's white, like, he's 100% gringo, does not know like a lick of Spanish. I think that the only thing that he knows how to say in Spanish is like, yo soy el fuego. And that is his <laughs> like answer to everybody. <laughs> so he'll just be like, like, I'll be saying something, he'll be like, yo soy el fuego um so like he's he's very you know he loves my mom's food like we do have like very different palates and that's been a challenge too culturally because even like where I come from like I lived in Little Mexico and in Jersey so I'm like those tacos are legit and I'm like here is some weird Tex-Mex shit where everything got cheese <laughs> and, like, and I'm like that's not a taco bro like what is this? it's like we have different palates um we just even culturally like you said like we do things differently, you know, like, we just operate differently, like, not just uh, ethnic, cultural, cultural differences, but even just like coast differences, like people on the West Coast are so different from people on the East Coast.
3: Mm -hmm. Like,
2: we had a, okay, we had a quick incident, unrelated, but I just think it's such a trifling story that I'm gonna just tell it. So two (laughs) nights ago, two nights ago, right, we got these neighbors that we can't stand, they're renters, and they, um, they my amazon groceries got delivered to their house right so we have cameras everywhere because i'm you know i don't trust nobody out here so i was like we get cameras (laughs) like both ways (laughs) and alert me everything and we saw um we saw him like pick up the groceries put them in his house and then just drive off to whatever so we went knocked on the door my husband went knocked on the door. And he, his wife was home, but she didn't open. They they rarely do, like we've had issues with them before and they never answer the door. And so my husband wrote a note, he was like, all right, so basically this is what's gonna happen. Return our groceries or the $60 that we paid for them. Like they belong next door, whatever. So homeboy returns our groceries, right? <laughs> and like puts, um, he staples like a federal law thing that says that he is not legally obligated to return anything to us, right? Yeah. And and so, like, culturally, I wanted to approach this very differently. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I was 100% ready to physically fight a grown-ass man. (laughs) Like, 100% ready I'm like what they gonna do put me in jail like my husband's like ain't nobody doing that to me you know but I was really like just so ready to just throw up like somebody do that shit to you in the Bronx this is a wrap yeah like, not- me- that is a full fight like <laughs> give me my groceries you about to and you about to come to the world they owe me and you get in next week's groceries too like this ain't ending here <laughs> like you know
3: we mm-hmm.
2: fight um, needless to say that you don't like you don't know my situation what if like I didn't have any money and somebody you know you guys gifted those groceries to me because I was struggling or something like that you know whatever it was a lot but even just that situation where my like west coast like nice you know calm people are just like Oh, you know, it's groceries. We'll get a refund, like whatever. And I was like, it's the principle of things. Like, how my that? You know, like you just don't do that shit. Like, he needs to know I'm not the one. Like, he needs to know that he can't ever fuck with me ever again in his life. Like, so aggressive. Oh, <laughs> and um, so we've had like situations like that where I just, you know, just he comes from a very calm and like chill family. And we come, I come from a lot of, you know, just aggression and just like, you know, like we're just always ready, even in like good, like good ways and bad ways. Like we're just, I stay ready. So I don't got to get ready. Um, And so that's been like just a funny, funny challenge sometimes. But one of the things that like I've been learning to work through is like learn from him. He's also seven years older than me. Mm. so He's like, okay, like, well like you gotta think like you're too pretty to be somebody's girlfriend in jail like come on (laughs) like you gotta just relax Like, like that where where you know it's like okay okay you're right like I'm not thinking this through you know like just where I come from that is how we resolve things like with words with you know we throw elbows like that's just who you know who I grew up around um but other than that like it's it's been, like, beautiful just to see him embrace my culture, to see, you know, how a lot of his family members have just embraced me um, and just, like, have made me feel right at home. It's It's been, like, it's been really lovely. You know, it's it's a learning experience every day, especially during the pandemic when, like, there is nowhere to go. Like, we're seeing each other every day. So we're learning a lot about each other all the time. We're, we're literally together, you know, 24-7. Like, he has, I'm in my office. He has his office, which is great because um, we get to, like, have that separation when we need it. But it's still been you know like well i deal with this this way like okay like i'm in survival mode you know where we come from it's like something like this is like we're saving everything like the food bag that this came in we're saving because we don't know where we're gonna have a food bag and like you know the container like we're saving that we don't know what's gonna happen like with covid what if they stop making containers <laughs> <laughs> and it's like like i immediately go into like that panic like all right well doomsday like i remember my, my family was one of the really religious families that prep for y2k like so I'm like, why 2K mode? Like we're gonna have spaghettios in the basement for 10 years. Like we're we're gonna be ready. Um, and he's just like, Yeah, you know, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think we're gonna be okay. And just like like learning from him in that way and just learning, you know, how I mean, like if we're if we're keeping a G too, like a lot of the one of the the coolest things that my husband ever taught me, um, you know, he's like when you go negotiate a deal, when you go into a meeting. He's like, just think like a white man. We don't ask questions. Like yeah. i heard him, I, when he was negotiating his salary for this job, I was like, I think we're good, like you good. They're gonna take the job away from you. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, he's like, I'm, I'm sure they can give me more. Like they're a big company, like I can get more, you know, or like, whatever. Like, I'm like, oh, like, is that how you're gonna email your boss? Like, <laughs> what, you're not even gonna say? He's like, they don't give a shit. And I'm like, wow, like these people really just be out here with the confidence of like a thousand sons. <laughs> like
3: mm-hmm. they just don't care.
2: And I've like, you know, I've adopted, kind of adopted that confidence and be like, okay, like I'm actually a powerful like black woman. Um, and I'm just going to take that same confidence. Cause why not? Cause I deserve it too. You know? And he's like, he, he's always just saying like, you know, you're so much smarter than me. Like you're so much capable than I am in so many different areas. Like all you need is that confidence. Like These people, these unqualified people that we see in these positions that are normally white or, you know, of of different uh, ethnicities that that we're just like, yo, how the fuck is Susan getting, like, promoted again for the 10th time while I'm sitting here in my eighth year here, like, still behind the desk. And you're just like, because Susan's out here taking what's hers and she's not asking questions. She's just like, hey, I'm due for a raise. This is how much I want or I walk. Mm. Where we are so used to, like, uncertainty and and you know, we have that fear of failure, like it's so ingrained in our culture. Um, and that fear of like, you know, like like in our culture, we take care of our parents. So it's like, I gotta keep this job because my parents can't take care of me. Like, <laughs> I'm basically, like I gotta take care of them. You know, I can't, my siblings can't take care of me. Like we, um, you know, we grow up with like, like the only person we can rely on is ourselves as much as our family members love us. And so we don't make those decisions with that with that notion because it's like we that risk is too much for me and Mm -hmm. so for them it's just like fuck it give me the raise or i'm out yeah i'm gonna fire me you know and so things like that that culturally have really really just benefited my confidence personally my business personally like i've made so much more money like my my husband's been like add another zero to that ask now like another zero like are you fucking kidding me i'm about to lose this whole campaign like are you nuts going would be like add another zero and they'd be like, okay, we can do that, you know? And it's just like, what? (laughs) Like, what the hell? Um, so just things like that where it's, I mean, it's it's a lot less like lovey, lovey dovey, but just culturally it's it's been it's been a ride. Yeah. No, it's it's
0: it's the it's the safety of knowing that like it's someone who knows you, sees you, loves you, that's guiding you and not somebody who would recommend. And somebody who'd be honest with you. Like, I get the impression that like, if there were a situation where he'd be like, oh, honey, your blackness is going to play a different role here, I can say as a white man. Like, I trust based off of like the way in which you guys work together, Mm -hmm. that he would be able to do that. And he Mm -hmm. is not like, a lot of times, when when, when um, I hear arguments from black men against who are against this idea of um, black women dating white men, it's always uh, this this concept that like oh well they'll like subjugate us to a degree or mm. you know they'll they'll um, accessorize us to a degree and and there's never this idea that there's perhaps this level of empowerment or go-getterness that exists. Yes, in the posture of of white people, right? And it's not a ma- malicious pop. You know, it's, it doesn't come out of malice. It's just a they've lived in a different reality, and so the confidence with which they move is, is a different reality. Mm-hmm. But but I think the difference between somebody who who knows and is woke versus somebody who's not is understanding the moments where the gift and the gem is not just you go, honey. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrap that hair before bed, sunshine. Like you know, it's yeah. not just down with the the typical. It's being able to say, oh, I know what usually the case is, but like move like this, like make the like you know what I mean, like encouraging your women and supporting them in that way. And I think the the way support looks like for some of our black men and i'm speaking very cis right now and i'm not mm-hmm. about but but because the, the stereotypes of these gender norms men versus women are so strong um, i think the way the black man is told he has to care for the black woman is very different than what the mm-hmm. white male thinks he has to care about a woman in in general right like like the way is is different and so i feel like there is a freedom for 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 men who aren't black to really be able to dive into a different level. And our men too, if they're willing to go there, if they're willing yeah. to, out of the, you know, the the cultural norms in, t- in the sense of that culture of of gender norm culture. Um, so I'm actually curious, what are some of the misconceptions? that people have about dating? Like, you know, some people, like whether it's sexual misconceptions or just dynamic misconceptions that people might have about you and your relationship or just you specifically in the relationship or how your husband is in the relationship.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one we've gotten is that I'm a racist because oh. I'm dating a
0: white man. <laughs> like
2: that's a thing I get often, especially when like Black Lives Matter started. I mean, I've always been very vocal about race And, you know, and underserved communities and everything. But I get a lot of like, when I got married, I mean, a couple months ago, like I posted screenshots of just people that were just like, I hope you get COVID and die. Like, you don't love, you don't love black people. Like you're sitting here, you're a fraud. You're just doing it for likes. Like if you love black people, you'd be supporting a black man and not like, you know, Like I've had people that have been like, do you think your husband actually loves you? Like you don't think that he's sitting there with his friends saying like, I finally got a Spanish maid who's gonna just take care of me for the rest of my life and shit like that. Um, So there's a lot of like hateful misconceptions where people project their biases and their their racism and their whole internal shit show on your relationship, especially on the internet Um, where like these keyboard warriors just be singing whatever the fuck comes out their ass at any time. Um, so there, there's a lot of that. Then there's like silly ones, like, oh, like, you know, does he complain about the smell of like the food, you know? Cause white people's food just be smelling like lemon pepper and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> see, like When you're making when you're making song, like, does he complain? You know, whatever, like, does he like, is it weird? Like they'll think he thinks it's weird. They think, you know, personally in my family, like, because I'm, you know, I share a lot on the internet I try to be like super vulnerable whatever, but I'm also a fiercely private person. Mm. Um, And so like I am private offline and online. I'm extremely private offline, especially when it comes to like my family Um, because I come from a very large family. My mom has 17 brothers and sisters. I have a quadrillion cousins and my dad's family is big too. So I really try to like just control, you know, I curate like the information that's out there in real life about me too. And so because of that, because not everyone has met my husband, or really knows who he is. There's a lot of like, oh, you know, he doesn't let her do anything. Like he has her out there sequestered or something. You know, like, like she hasn't visited us through a pandemic because he doesn't let her. Like, no bitch, I just ain't trying to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> things like that um, that we get. And just like, other than that though, um I think because I've been so vocal from the jump about like this is what it is. Like this is my husband. I love him. He loves me. He supports me. Like my man is out here, like, literally just being the most, he took a year off of work to work with me and learn my business, um, and lived off of, like, his savings so that I could get established here, you know, like, that's, like, not everyone can say that they have a partner who is willing to do that, you know, who's willing to actually invest in you that way, like, I always have, like, ideas and shit, you know, and he's just, like, all right, cool, like, bring bring me a pitch like whatever if you think if you can bring me good numbers like let's do it we'll we'll invest in ourselves you know and just like where people think it's just like boring all the time or like you know like that like you said like that sex is whack or whatever like i'm very happy let me just tell you i'm very happy yeah <laughs> let's, <be clear. laughs> let's be very clear i am extremely happy um so it's, it's just like stupid stuff. Like people read like Jezebel and Buzzfeed articles and think that they can make assumptions
3: about shit. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but but mostly it's just, I think the, the most like the things that you think about are like, they're really like hateful misconceptions where it's just like, damn, how you even like got the time to think about shit like that?
0: Word. Do you, do you think like early, like earlier on in the dynamic and you mentioned you dated a white guy before, but and maybe this happened with the previous partner was there ever a moment of just like a, not, not fear, anticipation, like an anticipation of this might go different because this is a white person and not because you have any personal opinion about white people, that's whatever, but just based off of the reality we've grown up in, you know, Yeah, there ever a moment? And if so, how did you get past that?
2: Um, my previous relationship before my husband, his name is Chase. So my previous relationship before Chase was very different. Like that was like a whole different animal. Um, that was like the stereo, like what you would think every stereotype is like in an interracial mm-hmm. relationship. That was it. Like, did not believe that my job was a real job. So he used to submit like secretly submit applications for me for like corporate jobs all the time, and I would get these jobs like coming. Well, like oh, we love we love your resume. Like come in for this interview, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like what um and just things like that I was like okay like here's our 10-year plan like you you know you can't just be out here shooting little bloggers forever like or whatever it is that you're doing with families like he's like that's not a real job that's not reliable like you know we need to have $20,000 in the bank at all times so this is what you're going to do you're going to quit your job we're going to get married you're going to have children and I'm going to get this promotion and then you're just going to be a stay home. you know things like that I was just like yeah that's not what I'm about (laughs) like that's definitely not so it's it's definite like like you said before like it's that was a whole different um dynamic that really like just shifted and and I've had like friends that have dated that have been in interracial relationships where it's like that like I am the superior person because of who I am Mm -hmm. um you know and so let me fix you let me help you you know you don't you haven't had the opportunities that I've had and it's not like let me help you get those opportunities it's like you know just sit down and let me just figure this out for you because you don't know like
0: you just don't know mm. and so you see a lot of that mm. and what about with the families like I, I know for me one of like I said one of my fears is like a, they won't want me at the Thanksgiving table like I mean I have those
2: I mm-hmm. still don't, you know, mm-hmm. I still show up, what, the fuck I- what are they going to do, <laughs> not feed me like bitch I bought the macaroni like
3: <laughs> I
2: don't care, you know, or you just don't show up, you know, there are always there are people that say things, um, you know, and I've had to learn and I'm still learning I'm a very confrontational person. I'm a very, like, I don't do the, like, oh, no lo you know, Skittles, mm. is, like, no, like, I'm just like, hi, Skittles. Um, so it has occurred to me that, <laughs> like, like, that's the kind of person I am because I don't like the around you know, so just even learning to navigate that has been interesting culturally. Um mm. You know, but there are, there are those. And if you're thinking of being in an interrelational relationship, if you're interested, if you're in one, like you're just going to have, especially right now in today's societal climate, you are going to have, you're going to hear people shit about talking. you. You're going to, you know, you're going to want, have people that don't want you at the dinner table for the rest of your life. And that's okay. You know, like we've had to set very strong. We've had to sit down and have very serious conversations and set very strong boundaries um, around, both of our families and and our relationship. Mm. And you know, at the end of the day, that's the person that I get in bed with. That's the person that I watch TV on the couch with. That's the person that I share a life with and that I do life with. And that is the opinion, unless I am in danger and y'all see that like some shit is going down and y'all need to help me, like it doesn't really matter because that's the person that I've committed to spending the rest of my life with. And so if I'm good
0: with him, if my dog still loves me, like we're good (laughs) and that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And I love, and thank you for saying that because I think that it also fleshes out this point, which is a point I try to make when people start doing the whole like, oh, well, interracial couple, da, 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 I'm like, well, I once dated a, a Puerto Rican who could be white, pa- I mean, depending which room you put him in, like if he was in a room full of angle sex and proud boys, he <laughs> would stand out. But if he was just like in a crowd of like white people, you know, brunettes, he, he could pass you know his grandfather was russian um and his and then his latinx side was puerto, puerto rican i was going to say puerto rican i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> but puerto rican um you know and and it was and it was interesting uh you know to know that like even within that dynamic there were certain threads of my blackness that were screaming in the mm-hmm. same ways they would have if I was dating a white guy because there are white people in our community or there are people who even though they're not white white they carry that uh posture of of mm-hmm. white supremacy essentially because is what it's rooted in right and yeah so I, I I always find it so interesting when people are so anti interracial like people who are very deeply profoundly and I'm like Wow, until we, like, you know, black cultures across the world themselves can even get on the same page. And and I don't want to hear us bringing down and tearing down people who are dating interracially because race is not the is not always at the forefront of the relationship. There are other things that are at the forefront of a relationship, uh, mm-hmm. but in this climate I do see, and I, I didn't realize that you would get these types of messages, but I do see in comment threads, people like, threatening and trying to dethrone people from their blackness because they're dating a white person. And I, yeah. I think that there's such duality that can exist. I think that it can be true that there are certain situations where there are white people in the world who do date people and don't actually acknowledge the cultural differences and, and struggles that they might have. And so in a moment like you know today, they're not a good partner in supporting somebody who's Horrified because they're following Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or whatever case, <laughs> right? There are those that, that that is a real thing, but I think it kind of has to go back to sometimes the the black person because sometimes you have black people who don't give a fuck about those things deeply in the way that we all do too so this Mm -hmm. idea that the loss of a black warrior comes when they engage with a white person is false because sometimes we lose those black warriors to i want to survive in corporate america and so i'm gonna fucking sell out and do some shit sometimes yeah about bigger things and we're not we're not attacking in the same way and it really frustrates me to see that um Mm. and and again, I'm not in a place where I'm specifically like, oh, I'm not dating white guys because I don't want to disappoint the culture in the way that I'm like, oh, I don't want to blow dry my hair because I don't want to disappoint the culture. But, girl, I'm so close. Um, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but also, like, I feel like, yeah, like, I, interestingly enough, this argument comes up and it becomes a a fork in the road for me in my dating mm-hmm. life. Um, I'm like, wow, like, can I date a white guy? Like, can I do like yeah. and you kind of have to go down that rabbit hole and I and and so and what you said it's really about what is the trust building the relationship and the dynamic I have with the person who I sleep with at the end of the day that is mm-hmm. what it is because is the same way that you are not responsible for all of black America or all you know afro next people and all that stuff he is not responsible for all of white America and all the stuff so why is the self-punishment happening right i think that yeah. really, really, there are non-negotiables that have to exist and maybe some of those non-negotiable not non-negotiables exist within the racial dynamics of the couple mm. of the relationship like if i did did a white guy don't ever say nigga in front of me like please don't don't <laughs> like don't right like <laughs> Let's not do that, right? Like, yeah. so that's a thing for, for me. And so like, if as long as you have these ground rules and as long as you have a basic strong foundational relationship outside of any dynamics out, except for what are healthy relationships, right? Yeah as long as you have that, no matter what bump in the road, no matter what birthday dinner or whatever situation where a thea says something uncomfortable, or maybe he slips up a little bit and you look at him a little sideways like, honey, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. that the communication and the foundation of a strong relationship is all that matters at the end. of Yeah. The- that's I agree. I yeah. Yeah.
2: I agree. And I, and I love what you said about non-negotiables um, because you know, that's I have, I will say like, I will count my blessings. I am so fortunate that none of my personal non-negotiables have ever been surrounded by race. Like, because my husband has just been respectful to not just my culture, but just everyone who is different. Like he has Mm -hmm. just been a kind and respectful and accepting human being all around. So I've never had to set a boundary or never had to have a hard conversation um, because that's just not who he is. You know, so like my non-negotiables are like, you know, don't ever scream at me. Like, don't ever, you know, don't ever talk at me. I, you know, my dad screamed a lot. And so it's something that I struggle with. Like, As as soon as someone starts screaming at me or yelling at me, I immediately start crying and I shut down, you know, like, so, so I'm like, you have to be really gentle. You have to be kind. If, you know, always call me out on my shit. Just, you can do that kindly. You can do that gently. And he's always, and I haven't even had to say that. Like the only reason we've talked about it is because I've always thanked him. Like, thank you for being you know, so gentle and kind. When, you know, I have a horrible relationship with finances. I have no financial education at all. Mm. And Mm. so like, he's, he's exceptional at finances. And so when we, when we would have financial conversations, I'd literally just start crying. I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Why do I have to be a part of this? Like, I hate money. Why can't I just keep my money in a shoebox? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why do I need a credit card? You know, things like that, where he, you know, over the years, like he's really taking the time to adapt to what he sees like my non-negotiables are like, because sometimes if like, if you're community, obviously we don't date psychics or mind readers or anything like that. So it is important to communicate, but um, my husband is very great at reading people and reading me. And so like, you know, he'll know like, okay, this is a non-negotiable for her. Like I know that I cannot approach this conversation in this way because we will not get anywhere. So now I know like if I want to talk to her about finances or I want to talk to her about an issue that we're having, you know, then I have to approach it in this way because that's just who she is, you know, and I love her for it. But like, I also have to adapt where I'm a leader and, you know, I'm used to being a supervisor and I'm just like, get it done, you know, blah, whatever. I can't take that same tone with her, you know, with my partner. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, My other, I'm just like naming my non-negotiables. Um, my other non-negotiable is my husband loves Mexican food and I'm like, we can't have Mexican food every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, can't. we just can't I'm sorry like we we can't bro we gotta diversify like I, I know you love to text but we just can't um and then uh, otherwise though like I I know you're
0: doing the hosting but do you guys have non-negotiables <laughs> in relationships yeah yeah I do I do have them and, and <laughs> interestingly enough like you're I, I guess because I still haven't had my Blanquito yet. <laughs> uh, I've never made them around race specifically mm-hmm. also. But yeah, I think a lot of my non-negotiables are even new. I think I've, I've, a lack of non-negotiables historically for me has now put me in a place to mm-hmm. have non-negotiables. And so some of the ones I've developed is, A, you have to love yourself. Mm. You have to love yourself because I tend to attract broken men. I tend to attract mm. men who who who, ne- who sometimes are drawn to me with the like mom complex, even though I don't mean to be momish, but they sometimes lack so much um, maternal love and and mm. intimacy. Even that like my hugs and caresses sometimes they, they gives them the warmth of what they wish they had from their mom. But I'm not trying to be a mother. I'm trying to fuck. Like mm. you know. Yeah. So, it's just like, <laughs> hello. so I think that like being in that stickiness um, has become frustrated, frustrating. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm like, I'm ready to date somebody who at least loves themselves. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they know every single next step in life, but it does mean that they love themselves enough to know that they don't, they want to see themselves succeed. And so even when they hit the depths of something, they want to self-rise and not that I feel like it's going to become my job to have to pull them up every time they get down, which is a dynamic I feel I've had in the past. Um, I think another non-negotiable for me is, it's sort of like, in turn, you you can't fight me to love you more than I love myself. You can't ask mm. me to give up on certain things that, because because in essence, it's like, you know, to do us part, it's the it's not the idea of like our journeys as individuals are done. It's just that we're together and we're in it together mm. now. So there has to be this sort of like mutual respect in the same way I desire for you to love yourself and to have your own activities and to have your hobbies and to do your things I encourage that I need that encouragement back you know I certainly am not looking for permission so if you think it's a permissive thing and I think this is something that I've seen in Dominican culture so much which is why I'm so like it like like hearing my some of my girlfriends be like I know I have to call my boyfriend because it's gonna get tight or you know you out with your friends and there's always that one girl that has the fucking boyfriend that she got to be running back and forth and she's always on her phone the whole night because her man don't post this picture or don't tag me in this like don't ever catch me be in that like it just really so to me like that is a very very strong non-negotiable to tamper with my independence um yeah and I mean shit I can go on and on I have so many yeah yeah.
2: no those are good I'm always curious and skittles I want to hear yours next but I'm always curious um because this is I feel like people don't talk about this openly like people don't talk about a lot of shit openly so I'm thankful that we're having this conversation but um I feel like people are so just like my relationship is especially online. My relationship is perfect. We don't have non negotiables. Like we mm. will just suck from the same spaghetti string forever and meet in the middle. Like mm. and that's just not how it works, you know. So I, I love hearing that. Skittles, what are yours? Or some of yours.
1: Um, I feel like I'm still figuring them out. Uh I think that uh who I am and in terms of like the role that I play in my community and something like that I tend to attract a lot of down low men or men who like to lead heterosexual lives in the public and then like mess with Mm. you know queer folk on the side um and so I've had a lot of those experiences and so I think one of them definitely is like um and I guess this could be um them loving themselves as well but like you know accepting yourself and being able to like lead a public life where you're not afraid to Mm-hmm. well you're okay with knowing that you're attracted mm. to me you know <laughs> and able yeah, and and, to yeah. like show that okay. yeah um so definitely that because you know as fun as DL man can be it's it's uh, it's you know it doesn't go anywhere um I also think that one thing that I figured out is I need someone who is like Who has their shit together and like is established and 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 secure um I don't like dealing with people who like like I'm I'm someone who's good at being broke I but like I'm not someone who's going to be wanting to like pay for everything and like you know (laughs) so and I've and at least in the in the past year or so have been having experiences with people who just don't have that shit together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why not? We're too old for you not to have that shit together. together. Um and then communication. Mm -hmm. I hate I hate talking about my feelings, but like also I'm someone who like goes crazy if you leave me like on the on the ledge of like not knowing Yeah, what the fuck is going on and not being clear so um someone who definitely can't communicate because trying to communicate with somebody who doesn't know how to communicate is just like
2: exhausting
1: exhausting yeah yeah
2: yeah i love that i love that so much and i especially love like can we just take a second to like give people permission to want and seek established people like there's this weird thing in our culture where you are you know are somebody like love the broken people like help them through shit like no man go to Lowe's and buy some tools <laughs> that's not me that's <laughs> yeah. not me like like it's so or it's like just, you get
1: the you get the like negative like stigma of being a gold digger or, yeah. or or like you know stuff like that just because that is something that's in your mindset but no if I'm trying to have my shit together I need you to have your shit together so that we can have our shit together together
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like so much shame. Like there is so much shame around that desire. Like I, I mean, my husband is very well established, well off, like extremely intelligent. I mean, what he does, and, and as like I was like, fuck yeah, like you're like you are going to call me higher. Like you're even just looking at you, like it's going to elevate me, and and you know, like teach me, like how'd you do that? I, like you mm-hmm. know, okay, what am I doing wrong in my business? What I'm like. Can you, you know, like, how, like, how the fuck did you do that versus, you know, like, all right, I got you this week. Like, just make sure you pay me back. And then I never gonna see that. Like, I, mm-hmm. think, like, I don't want to be dating my homeboy from like seventh grade. Like, that kind of <laughs> shit. Like, we're <what laughs> you lunch money. <laughs> you know, like, that's just, and that's, so I'm, I'm like really glad you said that. And I hope that people, are, that people that are listening that feel like they need permission to date, like, even if it's, you know, what they call like up or someone who's going to, I always say just date someone who's going to call you higher. Like, yes. I don't want to have to just keep breaking my back. Like I'm all for helping people. I am very passionate about social justice and underserved communities. I am not trying to be in a relationship with yeah. like, you know, a person who just lives their life around that, around that. Like I've already been on the struggle bus. I grew up on the struggle bus. Like I'm not trying to ride it for the rest of my life.
1: Exactly. So I love and- that you said that. And some like for for I feel like it also applies to people who aren't necessarily always self confident. I feel like mm-hmm. for someone like me who has always been fat, you know, always been big, and then always been the gay guy or whatever, um, it's really easy to fall into that DL secretive world because that's where you're getting that attention. And so then when you start to be able to entertain relationships that are actually public and somebody who's actually like trying to be with you but they're lacking that like that having shit together um sometimes it's real easy for you to just kind of accept it because you're like well damn they don't have their shit together but I'm getting this attention Mm -hmm. um and it's one of those things where you just have to grow to be like now I'm not going to accept anything less than what I am expecting, and then yes that's where you get these non-negotiables from
0: (laughs) what is what's your take on interracial dating skittles
1: you know what's crazy uh I don't know like like for me in terms of like my preference I tend to go towards the meditate the melanated portion of the spectrum of men you know (laughs) um and that's just my own personal, like, I just don't usually look at the white boys the same way I look at the brown boys, you know? Um, But that. I'm, but like, I'm here for it. Like Jessica, Jessica Williams loves her white boy. Yeah. And I feel like,
3: There's and I feel much. like it
1: is a big trend in the gay community that black boys love white boys, you know? Mm. Um... But yeah, like I'm here for it. I know that I personally would love a melanated man. But like, fuck it up, interracial relationships.
2: (laughs) I need a shirt that
1: says that. <laughs> Look it up in <laughs> today's <his that>, release.
0: <laughs> can that be like part of your merch? Yeah. yeah. Like, we might pull it. We might pull the quote as a merch. <laughs> but I think, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think ultimately like sort of where Skittles land is where I've, I've landed in life where I'm like, you know, I think that my journey in, into white boys and being obsessed with white boys, um, like, and then never getting one and feeling very deeply rejected by white people in general, mm-hmm. not just white men really did force me to reframe the focus I had on my own community in a way that I think was good. In a way that was not me feeding into stereotypes that people were saying about the men in my community mm. and really getting to know the nuances of the men in my community um mm-hmm. it just so happens that sometimes these men that are very woke and wise and deep are also very broken <laughs> they're very <laughs> broken and it takes a lot of their their brain <laughs> like what cracks open their thinking and their perspective and whatnot but then i need to find the ones who like to your point like are also in a place where they love themselves enough to, to be go-getters about something. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. even saying, well, oh, I want a doctor or a lawyer, like, bro, whatever. Like, what do you do? And like, how do you go hard and how do you you know, hustle within the love of what you, of what you, yeah. do. like that to me is like, that's sexy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and I think that with white dudes, like I'll be, I'll be 110% fucking honest. I I'm even just like, I don't even really know like what white dick is like, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I have a whole like realm of discovery that I haven't had in my sexual life with white men that I'm like, yeah, like I, I hope that you know. But many stereotypes tend to be wrong. I hope that I'm not the bitch who falls in love with the dude, and then you know the stereotypes of white guys not working it, like. Melanie, oh Christ! I think I'd be a little sad. I think sex is really important for me in relationships. Yes. Um, And so I feel like, yeah, my like resistance to to white dudes is just kind of like I'm never like, "Mm, yeah, that white dick. And not that anyone should be that way or say (laughs) like, you know, black bigger. You know what I mean? Like, there's just like an appetite I've developed with the men i've been with and it just so happens i haven't been with white men so i don't have a natural appetite that comes from the sexual shit Mm. and so like when i just meet them at face value what i actually have to do is work back for backwards from a potential assumption that they're either boring super white or sometimes when they're white boys who try to be down that they're a little too down and they get a little too comfortable (laughs) and that turns me off So (laughs) so many like Layers to take off before, like yeah. dance down, and I'm ready. That I am going to, you know, I'm. It's gonna take some time, I think, but I'm not against it. I'm not against it, but I'm just saying yeah. I gotta taste it first before I really commit because I don't. Know. I love
2: that. That's a stereotype. Like it's not one that I've heard often, but I do love it. That that's that.
0: That's like an actual stereotype. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's <laughs> harder <laughs> to get a good dick print out of a white guy, is what I've. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> I can confidently say I don't have that problem. Uh, <laughs> you <can be> get <laughs> I, I mean,
2: my, my husband comes from the pipeline industry, so he's pretty good at laying pipe. Is
3: hey, <laughs> <Hey>, all <laughs> <So, okay. laughs>
0: Come on. I'm here for it. Well, thank you so much for diving into that conversation with us. I think that, and I mean, there's so many different directions that this can take. And like, I think there's th- the idea around interracial relationship that I just really want to get across is that knowing your relationship with mm. the you do give in your content it feels very much to me to be a a relationships that's driven around the foundations of healthy relationships and not around this idea that you guys are together. And the, at the forefront of the relationship is this navigation of where you guys come from. Like that is not the first thing that matters in your dynamic. And I think it's important Mm -hmm. stories because people dissect interracial couples all the time and then talk about the psyche of like, you know the black woman or the black men and what that means. I get all of that, but I also think that there's a way in which we need to make room for the realities that exist for mm. people, which is it's not always that deep.
1: Yeah, and it's like, not that's I, not the relations. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: And oh, go, here I am in my interracial bed with my inter- <laughs> You know what I mean? We're like, not all yeah. Julia
1: Styles and right. fucking people out there. You know, oh like
0: I, I just feel like it's important to highlight that and to celebrate that and make room for that we yeah. have to make more room for successful interracial love stories where it's not like all devastation and you're being like subjugated you know
2: no yeah no i'm not i'm not walking around calling nobody master so <laughs>
1: yes <there>. maybe daddy <laughs> sometimes
0: maybe daddy. <laughs> yeah, maybe daddy daddy daddy, daddy. <laughs> all right well thanks again so much for being with us here today. This has been super, super dope. Um, let us know where can we find you? Anything coming up that we should be looking out for? Um, So thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I've been, yes. okay, if anyone
2: else whose guests I've been is listening, turn this off now. Um, This is probably my favorite podcast experience ever. Yay. And I've done like I done a bunch of these and this is hands down my favorite ever. It literally feels like I'm just sitting like in a living room in the Bronx of Stella. It's
3: just it feels like home.
2: It feels like home. So thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on every platform except for TikTok. Um, because I just cannot. <laughs> I am my brain can't. Um, under Chasing Denise, Denise with two S's. Um, yeah, I have just a bunch of cool stuff coming on. I got to I got something drop it in the in the winter. Um, that I'll be sharing. So look out for that. Um, and yeah, just just a bunch of, you know, just me harassing you to vote until November 3rd. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. And Skittles, where can they find us?
1: Yes. You can find us at Ladies Who Bruncher on Instagram, Ladies Branches on Twitter, Ladies Who Bruncher on YouTube, at Julissa on Instagram, and at The Real Skittles on Instagram as well. That's what a Z at the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in to our first episode, season five. So much more to come. We zoom in through it. So until next time, bronche.